0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church celebrates the great feast of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. Now this is a perfect celebration. It happens at the very end of this liturgical year. Next week we celebrate the beginning of Advent, which begins a new liturgical year. So it's very appropriate that as we end out this year, we ended out with recognizing to whom our life is ordered to, our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Now, when I was growing up in my parish, the parish priest would always have a hard time dealing with this feast. He would always say, you know, kingship today doesn't carry the same meaning as it did in the ancient world. Therefore, we should refer to Jesus as president or prime minister. Well, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. You can't liken the presidency or the prime minister position to a king. Jesus Christ is not an elected official. If he were, we would have control over him. If we didn't like his beliefs, his teachings, his way of life, we would vote him out of office, just like a politician. We don't have control over God. Instead, what we profess today and what we celebrate as a worldwide church is that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life. He is to whom our life is ordered to. He is to whom our total allegiance is given to. Our obedience is due to him. If you read the homilies as well as some of the writings of John Paul II throughout his papacy, he always proclaims that Christ is our King, such that At the heart of discipleship is to know him, to love him, and to serve him. Now, the early first Christians proclaimed what we celebrate today. They said, Jesus Domine, which means Christ is King and Lord. Now, this was a very bold proclamation, very provocative, very gutsy, to say, Jesus Domine. Why? Well, if you lived in the first century in the Roman Empire, you had to proclaim chios domine, which means Caesar is king. Whether you liked it or not, Caesar was the lord of your life. If anyone proclaimed that anyone else was king or lord, well, you're guilty of treason. You're able to be thrown into prison, even executed. And yet early on, the very early Christians, beginning with the apostles, said no, no to Kairos Domine, Caesar is not our Lord. Instead, they boldly proclaimed, Jesus Domine, Jesus Christ is Lord. See, this is the reason why St. Paul, for the 25 years of his ministry, he spent half of that time in Roman prisons throughout Europe and Asia because he boldly proclaimed, Jesus Domine, Jesus Christ is Lord. More to it, if you look at our early church history, the first 3 centuries of our church in which it was persecuted, you look at the martyrs, the popes that were executed, all for the express purpose of what we celebrate today. They boldly proclaim Jesus domine. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now they knew the consequences of saying something like this and writing about it, but nonetheless they were compelled to do it. Now, we can not possibly fathom what this meant. In the twenty first century, in the United States, we have rights. We can boldly proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord here in our churches, at the grocery store, at the shopping mall, at the gas station, and we're protected with our rights. But in the first century, it was far, far different. If you were to say Jesus Domine, well, it had far-reaching consequences. And yet the first century Christians, they didn't care. They were compelled to speak the truth. Who was the Lord of their life? Now with that in mind, go into the second reading from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Probably one of the strongest statements about Christ being our Lord and King. Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God. Well, Christ makes visible the life and the love of God. Jesus in his humanity, now makes visible God. Prior to Jesus and his incarnation, his birth into this world, God was always invisible. He always spoke through the prophets. Well, now God is fully on display. But not just with Jesus, but with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Jesus says, No one knows the Son except through the Father, and no one knows the Father except through the Son, and to whom he wishes to reveal him. Every time we look at Jesus, we see all three persons of the Holy Trinity made manifest before us. Paul continues, he's the firstborn of creation. Well, Paul tells us that Christ now eventually reverses the sin of Adam. The sin of Adam is original sin. Before original sin, we're all created in the image and likeness of God. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. And yet, after the sin of Adam and Eve, our image and likeness is you could say distorted or disfigured. Well, Jesus Christ now comes and you could say, he reverses that momentum of sin that Adam once created and now reshapes us into the true image and likeness of God that we were originally created in. Paul continues, Christ is the first fruits. Well, Jesus is the alpha and the Omega he is the beginning and the end. Go to John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God. Well, Jesus was at the very beginning of creation, and he will be there at the very end of creation. It continues, When he hands the kingdom over, well, he did that. He handed the church over to the apostles to nurture it and grow it. Well, 2,100 years later, now the church is handed over to us. Now we must take the charge, be responsible for growing and nurturing the church that we have today. See, what Paul is pointing out is Christ is, has a union with the church such that he is the head. He directs and oversees all the activities of our church. Paul constantly gives us that great analogy in which Jesus is the head and we, the church, are the body. Well, that stresses that we share always a life with Christ. He refers to Jesus as the first fruits. Well, Christ is the first to be raised from the dead and that we now hold on to that great promise that we too will follow in that path. Finally, Paul says the last enemy he destroyed, death itself. Well, through Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus now reconciles us back to the father. Now, once again, we have righteousness. We have friendship with God. The Friendship that we once enjoyed before the fall with Adam and Eve. In Genesis, it says that Adam and Eve walked in easy fellowship with God in the cool evening of the garden. Well, that's what God all wants for each and every one of us. That type of friendship. One last thought to think about. Turn to the first reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, as well as Matthew's gospel for today. It gives us this image of Jesus as a shepherd. G.K. Chesterton once said If one wants to understand the Bible and the authors and what is written in it, you have to go to the author's country. Well, we must go to the Holy Land ourselves in order for us to begin to understand the Bible. We must go there and go maybe even to the first century and recognize during the time of Christ, shepherds and sheep were very prevalent. It was a very common industry. And so a good shepherd truly cared for a sheep because he recognized the sheep meant everything for him, not just a source of commerce, but a source of companionship. Our shepherd, Jesus Christ, greatly cares for us even to the extent of climbing upon the cross and laying down his life for us. We'll take it to a deeper level. Go to Matthew's gospel. Here we have judgment, but it's judgment based upon a shepherd, how he separates sheep from goats. But notice the details here. Come you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink, a stranger and you welcomed me, in prison and you visited me. The righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? The king will say in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for the least of these brethren, you did it for me. That's a powerful statement. Notice what Jesus is really saying here. Jesus identifies himself with us. When are we hungry and thirsty? Every time we come for mass. Every time we come from mass, we hunger for the body of Christ. We thirst for the blood of Christ. When we are strangers, maybe when we're estranged from the church, well, God sends people out you know, to call upon us, find out how we're doing. And we go to them. People in prison, well, it doesn't necessarily mean people behind bars, you know, people that are in nursing homes, shut-ins that can't come to Mass. What do we do? We go and we visit them. We go and we bring them the Eucharist. Or maybe people are imprisoned in a different way. They're imprisoned by their depression, anxiety, maybe from abusive relationship. So what do we do? Well, we go and we visit them, right? Right. We go and we pick up the phone and we say, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. Are you doing okay? Or, you know, I saw you and you looked very stressed out, you know, a few days ago. Are you doing okay? Can I come and visit you? See, now you just visited someone in prison. Maybe it's not a person in prison with bars, but nonetheless, they're in prison with their depression, their anxiety, their abusive relationship. Well, now you've just visited them. And see, It's all based upon love. For the past two weeks, I've preached that Mother Teresa always taught her nuns. We're going to be judged, each and every one of us, but we're going to be judged by the criteria of how well we loved one another, how well we loved like Christ. Why? Because Christ identifies himself in all of the poor and the suffering and the hungry and the thirsty and those that are alone and in prison. He identifies himself, and every time we love those people, we love Christ. Today, our church around the world celebrates the great feast of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. The first century Christians boldly proclaimed this, fearlessly, recognizing the consequences of it. Their words were incredibly courageous. Well, 2,100 years later, we must continue to be bold boldly proclaim that Jesus Christ is our Lord and King, but not just in writing, but more importantly, how we act. How we act and behave every day of our life is the best way that we can proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.